before each year, I try and sit down and put down a rough draft plan for all the the sermons that we're going to do in the coming year for, for sunrise. And so each October, I, I break out a calendar and I'll try to fill up all the Sundays with uh, different series, tra- kind of strategically think through what the year is going to look like um, and fill in those in. Well, last year, as I was doing that for, for 2023, which is almost over, if you can believe it, uh, when I looked at the Christmas time, I found out that Christmas Eve was on Sunday. And so that got my juices pumping for what it is, you know, what was I going to do for Christmas this year? And um, that's what kind of spurred the idea of doing a series called Twas the Night Before. Because we're going to be on Christmas Eve, uh, on Sunday. And so uh, started thinking, what was going on in the minds of people? What was going on in the, just like the, the world, the tone? Like, what was the feeling? What was the, the implications, the attitude before Jesus Came. And I'm using the, the phrase, "'Twas the night before," loosely, you know, the time before, the, the time leading up to, days, months, years leading up to Jesus come, before he came, to fulfill God's ultimate plan for salvation for humankind. Um, Christmas is a unique season. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I don't really cater to holidays that often when I put in sermon series um, and I don't really acknowledge the different holidays. Uh, you know, I don't really care for it personally in terms of just messing up my flow of, or the flow of what we want to be teaching, except for Christmas and Easter. Um, I don't, you know, sometimes it might work out where a, a Mother's Day sermon might fit into something or Father's Day or one of those other ones, um, but don't really cater to it um, necessarily. But Christmas is unique, but it's also challenging because it's every year. Every year, there's another, another Christmas. I do cater to Christmas each year um, so we can stop and remember Christ's birth. Even though many people think that Jesus wasn't even born in December. Right? If you do some of that research, you know, it's, it's not necessarily his birthday. The truth is we don't know exactly the date that he was born. And, and it really honestly doesn't matter. Um, we actually don't have to celebrate the birth of Jesus like we do. There's, there's no command in the New Testament that says thou shalt have a festival to celebrate. And, you know, there were commands about festivals in, in the Jewish time, like Old Testament stuff. There's no command that says we have to do it. it. The birth of Jesus is no more important than his baptism or his healings or miracles or anything like that. So why do we do it? Why do every year we take a second and stop and think about his birth? Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. that For me, it comes down to, to this. Why not try and capitalize on the fact that everyone is already thinking about it? It's kind of already on people's mind, and so as long as that's the case, it kind of feels like something to kind of take advantage of. There's no doubt that between the, the Thanksgiving and Christmas, there is this heightened awareness of, of Christ uh, and even in the secular world, like the people that don't believe, there's this uh, about the, the virtues that Christ taught seems to kind of get pumped into us, you know, like generosity and giving and uh, peace on earth, joy and love and kindness, those things, that spirit kind of gets pumped into our society, even though there is kind of parallel to that, there's this glaring materialism and spending and 
commercialization and uh, you know greed, that kind of thing. But during this time of year, I feel that even with all that, there is this pushback from all over the place to overcome evil with good. And uh, I think that's a good thing. What happens, though, uh, just to get in my thought process, as I've got to write a Christmas sermon every year, uh, it becomes difficult for me to try and not preach the same sermons every December. I don't like to repeat my sermons if I can help it. Uh, I don't want to be someone who just continually dusts off old sermons because there's so much to dig into, into the Word of God. And so uh, let's you know, try and keep that fresh and digging and, and cover some similar material, but not just do the same things. And so uh, Christmas comes around again, a story that many of you are familiar with, and I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it again. And so you kind of put different packages on this, the same story. This year it's Twas the Night Before. But I want you to be challenged again. And so here's what I'm going to ask of you today. I'm going to ask you to try and to do this. I want you to get, try and get in the shoes of Mary. Try to put yourself in her position, in her shoes. The days, the weeks, the months leading up to uh, the birth of Jesus. It was the night before Jesus is born. It was the night before... Th- the Son of God, and you are pregnant with God's child. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, bringing us here today to take a look at this story that many of us have heard before. Guide us as we try to come and, and strengthen our faith through your word, through your Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we look at the life of Mary and her faith, that you'll guide and, and encourage our faith as we strive to mature and grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm glad some of you heard what I said there. Imagine you are pregnant with God's child. Now for some of you that's more difficult to imagine than others. I get it. But you know, we're putting ourselves in their shoes best we can. Imagine you're pregnant with God's child. Is there anything normal about that statement? Can we just take a second and acknowledge How ridiculous that sounds. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's ridiculous. I'm just saying that sometimes I understand when people are hesitant to put their faith in the Bible and stories like this. Again, don't misunderstand me. I believe it's true, but I don't think there's anything wrong with us acknowledging that isn't this crazy? That a virgin would be pregnant with God's child, and that child is going to save the world from sin through his death. It's crazy. Imagine you are Mary, and God tells you that that is his plan for you. You're like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? I'm starting with this because I think if it were easy to believe, it almost wouldn't be worth believing. We might not even put it in the category of faith. Can we just appreciate the faith of Mary? She received this purpose from God. And she walked in that purpose. You know, I almost want to start a slow round of applause for her. You know, right? She's like, hey, yeah. (laughs) I mean, just because like that faith. I I told you last week, this series is going to be about anticipation. 
the night before, the anticipation, and uh, this time of year for like the church calendar through history is called Advent. Waiting for the coming of Christ, Advent. And we're, we're using the traditional elements of Advent, and, I'm, and by that I mean what the church has done through years. What they've done is they'll, they'll, in a home or in a church building, they'll set out four candles, and each week they'll light a new candle representing uh, a, a character trait that we can be meditating on with Advent. And so I kind of repurposed our nativity up here, these back row on Christmas Eve, they'll be the angels, but right now they're the Advent candles. Last week, we talked about hope. Today is faith. We're going to meditate on faith this week. And who better to talk about when we're talking about faith than Mary? The night before. Now, she had a couple things going for her. In terms of her faith, encouraging her faith. She had a couple things going for her. Uh, One, she was the only one who could definitively confirm that she was, in fact, a virgin. That it was like, this is impossible. Bless you. (laughs) If you got another one, just let it loose, man. That's all good. Yeah, so she was the only one that could definitively confirm that that she was, in in fact, a virgin. I'm just trying to think, like, some of the things that we... Because, you know... Joseph didn't have that, you know, level of confidence maybe at first, and her, her, her parents or the, the, the gossiping mob, uh, you know, struggled to believe. But she knew some things that, that other people couldn't validate. But before she even had proof that she was pregnant, I mean, I'm talking about when the angel was having the conversation with her, said, you will be pregnant and, and you know, have God's son and, like... Uh, she, this was her response. At the end of that conversation with the angel, she said this in Luke 1, 38. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So from the very beginning, she's like, okay, that's, that's your purpose. <laughs> Let's go. Like One of the most intimidating announcements of all time. Granted, she did ask for clarification in that conversation. She's like, you're going to be pregnant. And she asked a very logical question. She's like, How? Since I'm a virgin, right? You know, good, good question. And the angel clarifies, it's going to be through the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a miracle, right? And then she says that, I am the Lord's servant. May your word uh, to me be fulfilled. You know, let's go, let's do this. The faith of this girl, and that's what she was, just a girl. Just a few verses later, she comes to... Uh, her cousin Elizabeth's house. We talked about John the Baptist last week. John the Baptist, mom and dad, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Well, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and that whole story. But Mary, she was just very newly pregnant. She comes to visit Elizabeth, right? And uh, I want to read, as a part of that interaction, she gives this, it calls it her song, Mary's song. And in the song, you can kind of see the character of this girl and her response to this purpose that she's been given. This is the song that she sings. She said, my, glo- uh, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. You read this response that Mary has to her purpose and her her plan that she's been given. I mean, you can see why God chose Mary. This is not just some naive girl that God just plucked up and said, all right, I'm going to use you for this purpose. I'm going to do this and we're going to have a son through. No, like it's she, this is a person who has a mature understanding of the blessing that she has been given and the purpose that has been given her. Talk about anticipation. She has enough understanding about what her purpose is to realize. Here's what she says, quote from, uh, from verse 48. It says, she said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She may not understand everything, but she's got a picture of the purpose that she's been given. This is a huge task that she's got to, to, to go through. Listen, I get nervous just going for a dental exam. Like, like, I don't know, how is this going to go? Is everything going to be okay? What are they going to find? How much is it going to cost? Am I going to clamp down on, on Mr. Slurpee for too long? Like, you know, just like nervous about going. But she, she's got to carry this child, God's son. She's got to carry God's son. And she's singing, you know, eternity in the balance. And she is entrusted with delivering and mothering and raising the Messiah, the faith. Why this level of faith? Something in her knows what's coming. God's plan is, is resolute, and she is willing to put her faith in him. That I trust your plan and your purpose, which means she's open to be his servant. Use me for your purpose. And she goes forward and she does that. And this is the thing about faith that we're going to be looking at. Faith is, it is in part kind of an internal belief and confidence. I have faith. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But faith is, is made evident by action. She went forward and lived out his purpose for her. Faith is, any, anybody can say that they have faith. Anybody can say those words. They're like, yeah, I believe. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus and all the things the Bible says. But how do you really know that faith is there? And I'm not just talking about me looking at you, trying to determine whether or not you have. I'm talking about me looking at me. How do I know that my faith is there when I'm humble enough to let God use me? Action is the real follow-through for faith. James chapter 2, verse 26. It says that just as the body without the spirit is dead, that's like that's the same thing with faith without deeds. Faith without deeds is dead faith. Now, we are saved by faith. Look at Ephesians. We are saved by faith, right? That's what the Bible says. But here's what happens a lot of times. Sometimes we stop our faith at the point of belief, this, inter- this internal conviction. We stop there as if belief is the only thing that faith requires. Faith, true faith, leads to action. We see that in Mary. Because even the demons believe. They have belief. It says that in James. But they are not willing to 
put their faith in that God used them for his purpose. Therefore, it's not, it's not faith. Or, or maybe better put, it's dead faith. It's useless belief. Faith is useful for God's purpose. Mary said, let your word be fulfilled in me. Let me be your servant. God honors those humble enough to be his servant, to live life for his purpose. And so for nine months, she carries Jesus. He grows inside of her. Now let me ask you this. Do you think that all the days of those nine months were filled with that that song about how blessed she is? I don't know. Like, you think that it's a happy song like that when she's got to go tell Joseph what, that she's pregnant? I mean, at least in the beginning, that's not, that's not going to go over well. It doesn't go over well to start with. Do you think she's singing this song of joy when her name is dragged through the mud because of the scandal of being an unmarried but pregnant woman in those days? Do you think she was singing the song that, that same song when she was traveling? She had to travel back to Bethlehem full term on a donkey... I'd like to hear those songs, All right? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she was just a saint through and through, and she always had, but man, uh, I bet those songs were a bit darker, probably in a minor key, right? And like with the songs of pain and doubts and despair and confusion. But guess what she kept doing? She kept moving forward in his purpose. Wouldn't it be great if we had like a 2020 interview of Mary? Could have a sit down, talk back and forth. Like, tell me, like, what were you going through? What were you thinking? What were you feeling during those times? Well, think about this. I want to direct your attention to the first few verses of the book of Luke. Luke is one of the authors that tells the story of the life and ministry of Jesus. At the very beginning of his book, there's some notes from the author, and here's one of the things that he says in chapter one, verse three. Luke says, "I myself." have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Luke was very meticulous. Luke was the author of the book of Luke, telling the story of Jesus, meticulous about uh, finding the right information, interviewing people to make sure that he could accurately give an account of the life of Jesus from his birth to his resurrection. Now, in the beginning, was, was Luke there for the Christmas story? Any of it? No, no, Luke wasn't there. So who do you suppose he interviewed or found to get an accurate story for the birth of Jesus? Most likely, it would be Mary. Mary was there. Mary was alive when these things were being written. Mary would have been the best source for all of it. Notice something. As you read through the Christmas story, notice some things that, cut, that stood out to me. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, when the angel visits Mary and gives her the announcement, you're going to be with child, name him Jesus, uh, it gives a little insight into Mary. Verse 29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Got kind of in the head of Mary to how she was feeling. Or there's another time when uh, the shepherds came. Jesus had already been born. They're in the, the stable or with Jesus in the manger. The shepherds visit this baby And then they went off to tell what they had seen. Here's something in verse 19 of chapter 2. It says, But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. She kind of, all right, log that away. Where these shepherds came, how did they know? They were told by angels. Like, just kind of, all right, save that there. 
Or when a couple verses later in chapter 2, in verse 51, when Jesus was a young boy, it says he was 12 years old. We don't have a lot of, of accounts of him being a young boy. But they were in Jerusalem, and they found Jesus in the temple courts teaching as a 12-year-old boy. And verse 51, just a small verse, it says, But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Again, just some small verses, but time and time again, from the moment she was told she was going to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah, Mary was trying to sort all this out. And as every stage came through, there are these instances like, I was doing this, you know what, I just pondered those things. I treasured it. I kind of logged that away. Mary was trying to sort it all out. Some translations try and show us, it says she treasured it in her heart. Some versions say she pondered she was pondering these things. She was troubled by the angel's message. She was wondering what this means. Who would have been able to tell Luke, the author, what Mary was thinking at those times? I mean, other than God, we are talking about the inspired word of God. We believe, you know, so you've got to take that into account. But just for consideration, if Luke had interviewed Mary, or as, as he says, in, investigated and created an orderly account, wouldn't it make sense that Mary shared her heart here, and we have here in the text that Mary had given insight as to what was going on the night before. The fact that the angel's message troubled her, and the fact that he sent these humble, kind of dirty, smelly shepherds to be the first visitors, and, and they have got here, and they to see Jesus grow up into a young man and start to fulfill his purpose. As she's living this, along the way, you have Mary just clicking the save button. Like, I'm going to save that for later, keep that in the memory bank, not just so that she had memories, but so that she can look back at it later, hopefully with more clarity. Meaning she didn't have a ton of clarity, or complete clarity. And that's where I want to make sure you understand why, how does this apply to faith? If she's pondering, if she's wondering, if she's contemplating, wrestling with the events that she's living out, things happening with Jesus, her son, God's son, she's not exactly sure, she's not exactly sure what's going on. So she treasured these things. She pondered them. Because she's walking in faith. She's not walking in her own understanding. She's not getting everything that God's putting down. She's not just like, yep, understand what this is all about. No, she's saving those things. Kept moving forward with trust. And so she treasured those things in her heart. And then maybe sitting down with Luke some years later. The church has already begun. It's years later. Looking back. And then as she has those memories saved up, she gets to watch back and look at what her walk of faith has helped to accomplish. And sharing that story of Advent that we can read today. Faith is essential in a season of Advent. You remember what Advent means? Advent means coming. And that's why it's used to describe this time of year. Waiting, anticipating the coming of Christ. For the church, December is Advent. Remembering the coming of Christ back then. Today, we are in a similar situation. Because we are waiting for the coming of Christ. We're waiting for Christ to return. And this week we're meditating on faith. It was the night before. 
was the night before. You know what that means. It means that it is not here yet. It's the night before. Like when I, when I order a package online, I am supposed to have faith that it will arrive at my house at some point. And you know what? Usually it does. I've got pretty strong faith because it's happened so often that I can put in an order and then it'll show up at my house. I've, I've put faith that it will be delivered. But you know what? I think sometimes we have faith in stupid things like the, the UPS. We've got more faith in the UPS than we do in God. Because we're told to live in His purpose, but sometimes we're like, well, I don't know. We're not willing to just jump out in faith and just say, all right, God, I know you'll deliver. I know you'll deliver on your promises. But sometimes we're like, no, I don't know what I should do. And, uh, who am I? Um, at least that's what our actions suggest. And I'll tell you why I think that. God has given us all purpose. And most of us, it's nowhere close to the intensity of purpose that was given to Mary. And she had, she had a unique way of receiving her purpose. I, I have never received in a dream or an angel visit me and say, here's your purpose from God. I hadn't had any of that, right? But every Christian has purpose, at least in general, right? Like, we'll just start there. Every Christian is called to walk by faith to spread the good news of Jesus. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. And that's just the minimum of things that I could say that all of us have that purpose. Now, we talk talking about Advent. Advent is we're waiting for the coming, the light to come, and we need hope, right? But it also means that as we're waiting... It's the night before. It's not here yet. And so we are surrounded in darkness. We're in a world of sin and all of its consequences, which is a dismal place to wait. And I don't want to make anybody feel bad at Christmas, but maybe it might be necessary to make my point. And so I'm going to ask you a question and, and you decide. Are you living out your faith? Are you living purposefully? For God's kingdom. Because if we really want to take a second and talk about faith, not just a feel-good sermon about faith, but if we want to talk about it and meditate on it, faith is not just a feeling. Faith is not just a belief. Faith is not just an internal hope and trust. If you really want to meditate on faith this week, you have to understand that it is something to be practiced. You can't experience faith philosophically not really mary got her purpose from god accepted it and lived it she did it that's why we look to mary it's not just she had such a strong belief it was that she proved it not knowing what the future held for her she walked by faith only to kind of come to understand it later in life where in your life should you be acting in faith? That's a hard question. Because you hear that, where should I be acting in faith? Maybe that's not clear. Like, I don't know what God's purpose is for me. I don't know what I should do. So, I understand that it can be unclear. So, let's start somewhere where it is clear. Alright? You want a message from God about your purpose? Jesus says, Go make disciples. That's purpose enough for all of us. Go, make disciples. Are you 
discipling your kids? Are you influencing your friends? Do you share Jesus? You may say, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm not equipped for that kind of thing. Well, do it anyways, right? Figure it out. Do you think Mary was equipped to do what she was given purpose to do? No. It's not all that much faith when you're fully prepared. And that's kind of what we like to operate under. It's like, I could be fully prepared. I got my, my full education on this thing. And as soon as I know everything, then I'll start living out that. Like, no, that's not how this works. Faith is not that way. For that matter, no one is fully prepared anyways. You know, go, make disciples. What, what, else, what else could there be for all of us? Purpose for you. What purpose? What about this? Here's one. Jesus said, love the least of these. Anybody could take that on as purpose. Love the least of these. Are you giving of your time and your energy and your effort and your money? Are you behaving like a servant to all? Open your life. Open your home. Open your car. Open your wallet. Like open up your life to others and love. The, and you might say, well, what about, you know, when you try to help people, you get taken advantage of and there's all these complications. And it's like, well, Jesus didn't tell you to go help Mother Teresa. He said, go help the least of these. It's a clear purpose that you have been given. And sometimes when you start doing the purpose and the plan of God, you start doing some of those simple, clear things, you're going to find yourself and you're like, what am I doing here? Like, is this doing any good? Am I in God's purpose? I don't know. Like, what am I doing here? It's like, yes, you're in the right spot. Keep moving forward. Even when it's not quite clear and understanding what you can do, though, how about this? Treasure it in your heart. Come back to it and look at it later and see where your walk of faith has led you. Start with the basics of things that are clear for us to do as Christians. And I bet, I bet that you will find a more specific lane that meets your personality, that meets your talents, that God has given you, that you'll have even more clarity as to what purpose God gives you. Listen, it's, it's not going to fall from the sky and land at your feet. It's like, I know my purpose. You know, I haven't heard, I don't know anybody that's got a vision from an angel. I don't just don't, maybe I don't meet those people. But you start doing the simple stuff that God has purposed for you, and then he's, he'll give you more. Like, here, here's some specific things that you were equipped to do. God's got purpose for you. And it keeps going. It's not something you just do a weekend and call it your purpose. This is something that's ongoing, ongoing, keeps going. If you keep following Mary's story, the birth of Jesus is just the beginning. She watched him grow up. She raised him. She, she watched... Uh, him work miracles. Meanwhile, raising a family, you know, along, you know, she's raising her own family uh, with that. She, she watched the power of Rome and the corrupt leadership in Jerusalem hunt Jesus down and crowds of people ridicule him and hate him and then kill him. Do you think that as she stood in front of the cross and he's being crucified, do you think as she watched him die that she treasured that moment in her heart or maybe better put that she pondered that moment like what is this how does this work in 
what I've been purposed to do. Now, maybe it wasn't all that clear, or at least the sadness was overwhelming the clarity. Like, do you, do you think that she had more questions? I do. I think she still had more questions, but what does she do? She keeps plowing forward. I'm going to stay living in your purpose. But her, her walk of faith continued. Jesus' purpose seems became more and more clear as she grew up, and as she grew in wisdom, she had to have faith to keep going that her son, that that is what her son was born to do. When he resurrected from the dead, I think maybe a lot of things clicked in place. Like, oh, I kind of believed this, but now <laughs> this is... Like, and so, as we wait, we're in a season of Advent ourselves. As we wait, faith, if we really want to... If we want it to do us any good... It will be a long journey. And we will have times where we don't understand. But we have to understand that it's a part of a higher purpose. Faith, faith is what gets you up the next day to do it again. And in the next day to get up and do it again. Faith is what drives you to live, to have purpose and meaning in life. It makes the hard days have meaning. It makes the hard times have hope. And so as we wait for Christ to return again and take us all to heaven, faith is essential. Faith that God is going to take my life and use it for his purpose. But you have to be open to it. You have to seek it. You have to pursue it. Faith, that's the ultimate message for today, that God's going to take my life And use it for his purpose. May we echo what Mary said in Luke 1.38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let's pray.